Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of God. God is calling us to level up, to progress in our faith, generosity, love, and leadership. Unfortunately, we often find ourselves stagnant and coasting and can be very difficult to find the motivation to go to the next level. In this message, we'll explore the capacity myth, which is the belief that our current limits are the same as our capacity. With that, let's turn it over to Pastor Nate and part three of our message series, Level Up, Capacity Myth. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, today, we're in week three of a four-week message series called Level Up. We all say that together? Level Up. I've been using this Mario Mario World um, just because it's fun, and uh Again, if you've ever played Mario, when Mario jumps on that flag, there's this music. It's just so good. It just lets you know that you are going to the next level. And that's what I want for, for each and every one of you. Uh, one of the things we've been saying over the last couple of weeks, that leveling up is hard, but it's worth it. And what we just heard from, from Scott as he shared some of his story is that like forgiveness is hard, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth the investment uh, to grow in the area of forgiveness because it sets you free. And, it, and it, as, he, as he said, it, it helps your family and those around you. So leveling up is hard, but it's worth it. Whatever God is actually going to call you to do, whatever he's going to call you to do is actually going to be hard. But if you'll obey and if you'll do it, I guarantee it's going to be worth it. So in this message series, we've really been sort of hitting on two questions. And these are questions that I hope that you'll be asking. The first one is this, in what way is God calling me to level up. It's going to be different for everybody. It's very personal. There's there's a hundred ways that each of us need to level up and improve, but there's going to be one specific thing that I believe God, by His Spirit, will put His finger on and be like, yeah, let's work on this one right now. And, and what I've been saying through this series as well is that when you and I take our step to the next level, when we grow, the church grows. And the church is strengthened because we're all one body and we're all part of this community. And when, when you level up, when you grow in grace, when you become more generous, everyone benefits and it's worth it. So in what way is God calling me to level up? And the second thing is this, what or who's at stake if I don't? I, sometimes, as we said last week, we know the right thing to do. We know what we should do. We just don't do it because we don't have enough motivation. And sometimes just remembering that there's so much at stake. Um, so I'm just encouraging our church, each one of us, to level up over these four weeks. Today I want to talk about capacity. We're going to talk about the capacity myth. You're like, I didn't even know there was a myth around capacity, but I'm going to explain what that means in just a moment. Let's define capacity first. Capacity is the maximum amount that something can either produce or hold. That's the maximum. You have a box of cookies. There's a maximum number of cookies that can go in the box. That's the max capacity of the box. But unlike a box, you and I uh, can grow in our capacity. And, and the truth be told, we don't even know what our capacity is. That's the truth. Because, because we just we don't even know. And when you, when you bring God into the mix, what could God do through a life that's surrendered to Him? I mean, the sky's the limit. And sometimes, sometimes uh, we, we buy into the capacity myth, which I'm going to explain to you in just a second. But... The capacity is the maximum amount. Now, there, here's something that most of us do know is that most of us have current limits. Can we say that together? Current limits. Your current limits are, are what you can currently do. So let's take, for example, if we, if we left here after church and we all went to the gym. Wouldn't that be fun? Like church field trip to good life, you know? Yeah. They, they would see us coming to memberships. They'd be excited. But we'd go into that gym 
And one by one, we all got on the leg press machine. And, and you know, everyone in this room, if you walked in here, you can, you can push that leg press. And maybe with five pounds, 50 pounds. Some of us might get up to a couple hundred pounds before we would reach our current limits. Current limits, okay? And, uh, and once you reach that limit, when, when you can lift a weight one time, and that's the maximum you can lift, gym, gym rats call it, a one rep max. It's the maximum you can lift one time. That is your current limit in that particular exercise. You with me? So we know we have current limits. Some of you, we talked about generosity last week. You have limited finances. So you, can, you only have so much to spend. You only have so much to give. So you might say, I want to help other people, but I don't have anything to give. That's your current limit. But how many of you know our current limit isn't our capacity? If, if you were to go to the gym, I was going to say every day of the week, but that's a bad idea, right? Right? You want to go like twice a week for your legs, and if you went twice a week and you did that machine and you kept increasing the weight, that a year from now you could probably lift twice as much as you do now. So your current limit a year from now could be way more than it is now. Am I right? Anybody been to the gym? Yeah? And you would be closer to your capacity, but there's still more that you could achieve. You, you with me? And it's the same with generosity. It's the same with love. It's the same with forgiveness. It's the same with patience. Uh, a little while ago, my wife, uh, she went on a little road trip with my, with my older brother and his family. So she's in their van, and they're going through a drive through window. And apparently, my older brother has way more patience than I do. Because when I go through a drive through window, it's like, okay, what does everybody want? I make a mental note, and I'm, I don't want to get it raw or wrong, so I'm, I'm waiting. I got my list. And you don't change your order. I mean, you, you told me what you wanted. Don't mess me up. I'm waiting for that window uh, you know, but my wife's sitting in, in the van with my brother's family, and as he's ordering, everyone's calling out different stuff. No, change it to a root beer. I want an orange juice. Add bacon. And he's like, oh, excuse me, just hang on a second. Oh, sorry, what did you want? And, he, and they're like changing the order at the window. It's devastating to me. Because <laughs> if that were me, my kids know, if they start changing the order at the window, it's like, everyone's getting a plain bagel with butter. I mean, that's, that's what you're getting. I just don't have... so. My brother's, his current limit of patience is here, and mine apparently is here. So my wife was telling me about this. Uh, so I've got some work to do. The point is, though, is that we, we can grow, we can grow our current limits. Do you understand that? Maybe today you can't give anything because you have no money, but if you apply a plan and you work hard and you set things aside, maybe a year from now you could be twice as generous as you are now. Or ten times in ten years you could be giving 10x. And it's the same thing. Your ability to love others, your ability to be gracious, your ability to serve others, it will grow as you invest in it. Your current limits can, can rise. You understand? And we don't even know what our capacity is. So here's the capacity myth. Now that I've explained all this, the capacity myth is that your current limit is your capacity. And if you believe that what you're doing today and where you're at today in your growth, in your love, if that's where you're at and you think that's all there is, you won't level up because you think you've arrived. The truth is, there is capacity that God, when he gets involved in this process, can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. And that's not just doing it for us, but doing it through us. That's even more exciting. We have no idea what the limit is when we get God in our corner and we're working with him. Got a fun example here uh, before I show it to you. Uh, actually, no, leave it up. It's fine. Uh, every Sunday, we have a, a crew of people that come in at 6.30 in the morning, and they set up all the chairs, the curtains, the lights, the cameras, all that stuff. That's amazing. And then after church, after second service, we have a whole crew that tears it all down and puts it away. Amazing. Can we give those guys a round of applause? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Our mission statement for the production team is setting the stage for life change. And that's what we do. We create the room. We put up the chairs and the lights and the curtains so that people can come and hear about Jesus. And that's why we do it. It's crazy. So here's Mark. He's an incredible volunteer. Mark, uh, whenever he's serving, he's up on the second floor and he's carrying six, a stack of six chairs all the way down for the people that come in late. (laughs) Right? We love Mark. It's amazing. Right? So this is great. Mark's doing that. And then I got this other picture that Andrew sent me. And this is a picture of Adam carrying 12 (laughs) <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> I don't know if there's a little competition thing, but it's, the point is, is that our, our current limits are somewhere, our capacity is somewhere else, and we're trying to grow and level up. So Mark, there's room for seven. I don't know if he's in here or not, but uh, it, it's awesome. We want to just keep leveling up. So that's great. So here's a question. We've got our current limit. So if you can throw the bag up, capacity myth, your current limit is your capacity. Not true. Not true. Your capacity is way beyond where you're at now, which is why we level up. It's why we stretch. It's why we grow. It's why we do the hard work. So how do we increase our capacity? That's the question. Well, let's think about exercise, physical strength. It's a great metaphor, right? If you want to get stronger, you have to push yourself to your current limits and beyond. Example, you go to the gym. When you go to the gym, you should never compare yourself to the muscle head who lives there, right? <laughs> eating protein powder just straight. You're like, no. When you go to the gym, what you ought to do is compare yourself to where you were last week, right? Last time I was here and I did the bench press, I did eight. And if you, every time you go, you do eight, you're not really going to get that much stronger. But if when you go, you go, this week I'm going to get nine. You're pushing beyond your previous limit. And that, what happens is you get to eight. This is, I've been in the gym a couple times in my life. And now you get to eight. You get to eight and you think to yourself, I'm done. And then if you're working out, it's so good to work it with somebody because they'll say, you're not done. You got one more rep. You're like, no, no, no. I think I'm done. They're like, no, you, I know you. I'm right here. You go ahead and do it. I'm going to help you. And you, and here's what happens. The, la, the, the extra rep is always what I call the ugly rep. It's like you're shaking one arm's higher. Your tongue's hanging out. You're drooling and you don't care because you're just everything in you. It's like, uh, and then you get it. It's like, yes, I got an extra. And we call it the ugly rep. The ugly rep is when you get stronger. Because you're pushing your body beyond what it has currently and previously been its limit. And you're moving slowly towards your potential and your capacity. You guys with me? As I was thinking about this, I began to wonder. When was the last time that I did? Maybe you could ask yourself the same question. When was the last time that you did an ugly rep of faith? Right? That moment where you find yourself on your knees going, God, if you don't show up, this ain't happening. I'm trusting you. And, you're, and you, maybe you're crying, maybe your makeup's a mess, <laughs> maybe you make a fool of yourself, but you don't care because you're going to the next level. And that's a faith step. And that's where we grow. That's where we grow. We don't grow where it's comfortable. In fact, comfort, as much as we all love to be comfortable, comfort is the enemy of growth. Right? You, you have to push beyond comfort to grow. It's how it works. It's how it works physically, emotionally, and how it works in our spiritual lives. And so we've got to be willing. And so what happens is God will actually call us higher. He says, come higher than you think you can come and trust me. And as we take those steps, we move beyond our limits and we grow. This is the process. Okay, you guys with me? So what I'm going to do um, today, we're going to turn um, to Mark chapter 6. And let me set up the story, and then we're gonna then we're gonna look at it together. We're gonna walk through. This is the parable of the feeding of the five thousand. How many of you've heard the story of Jesus feeding five thousand? Okay, almost everybody. Great. Jesus is gonna miraculously feed this huge amount of people, which is exciting. And uh, 
as we jump into the story, um, we're going to see Jesus actually feeding 5,000 people or more using his disciples. Let's, let's take a look at the text. Mark six thirty four says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had, let's say it together, he had compassion. It's easy to just skip, pack that, skip past that word, but this is telling us about Jesus' motivation for what he's about to do. And the why you do something actually matters almost more than what you do. Who thinks motives matter, right? Like the why, what you, the, the reason why you're doing what you do. So Jesus sees this huge crowd of people and he has compassion and love in his heart. He sees hungry, broken, needy people. And he's like, what can I do? That's, that's his, that's what he's being motivated by. And he sees them like sheep without a shepherd. He sees their need and uh, his compassionate heart is going to move him in their direction. Next it says, and he began to teach them many things. Now, I think this is really fascinating. The gospel writer does not tell us what Jesus' sermon was about. This is all we get. He taught many things. It's like some of you when you leave church. Like, hey, what did Pastor Nathan talk about? Many things. <laughs> it's like, what? And as a preacher, that's offensive. Like, I want people to walk away and be like, okay, I know what, I, I know what he said. I know what I need to do. But whatever Jesus said, it was like, whatever. He taught some stuff. And what's so cool is that the highlight actually isn't on the message that he taught, but on what happens and what he does next. And I honestly think that the most important sermon isn't, most of the time, the most important sermon isn't the one that I'm preaching from the stage. But it's the sermon that you live out when you leave this place. And you go to your workplace, and you go home to your family and friends, your school, your sports teams. It is there, the way you treat and love other people, that will speak volumes. They won't hear the sermon, they'll see it. And they're going to see Jesus' compassion and love acted out. It's a cool story, so let's keep going. Uh, verse 35, And when it grew late, so the day is getting on, maybe the sun's about to set, his disciples come to him and say, This is a desolate place. We're in the middle of nowhere. And the hour is now late. So what they're seeing is a problem. How many of you know it's easier to see problems than solutions? Don't elbow anybody you're sitting with. I just, I just point that out. It is always easier to find problems. And the disciples are looking and they see hungry, needy people. And they view that as a problem. Have you noticed most of the problems in your life are connected to people? <laughs> I'm just saying. It's true. You know it's true. Right? Have you ever thought, man, if I could just get rid of these people, my problems would be gone. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> so... People and problems are deeply connected. And so they see the, pro the hungry, needy people as a problem. And here's their suggestion. Maybe this has been yours in the past. Send them away. <laughs> Telling you, they're thinking like me. It's like, well, you just send them home. It's not a problem. Go into the surrounding countryside and villages and let them buy themselves something to eat. They essentially say, these hungry, needy people can fix this problem themselves. And Jesus would say, there is a hunger that can not be solved by yourself. And what Jesus actually wants is he wants the disciples to take ownership of the problem and care for the people like he does. That's what he wants. See, the problem isn't a capacity problem. It's actually a compassion problem. You care about something enough, you find a way. You with me? Jesus says, they say, send them off. And, and he answers them. This is what Jesus says. You, everybody say you. You give them something to eat. This is why prayer scares me. Because whenever I say, God, this situation in this, my friend's life, like, God, I just need you to show up. And God's like, yes, thank you for praying to me. I'm sending you 
over there with <laughs> with with a banana cake or something like it's like you're going to show up and you're going <laughs> to banana bread I make a mean banana bread I'm just going to say I do uh, so it's like I want you he invites us and this is the problem when we pray it's like God you know the church needs money and God's going to be like okay what can you sacrifice like, oh, no I'm the whole point of prayer is for me to pass the buck to God <laughs> like, there's a problem and I don't have the resources so I'm just going to give the problem to you Woo, done. I'm going to sleep well tonight. And God, when we truly pray and listen, he'll often turn to me like, you do it. That's why prayer scares me. Because I know that God of heaven most, almost all the time answers his prayer through me and through you. That the answer to your prayers and mine is sitting in the row. And God actually calls us to level up so that we can help one another. But we don't want that. That's, we want to pray and say, you take it. It's not a capacity problem. It's a compassion problem. So, you give them something to eat. He continues. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? So um, the gospels are clear. The disciples would have had like a money bag, a purse. We call it a ministry account or a fund in our day. But they would have had a leather bag full of money that people donated. And when Jesus and his disciples would travel, they could buy clothing if they needed it or food. Um, and so they probably opened up the bag and counted all their money. Got 200 denarii. That's all we got. And they literally say to Jesus, well, we could take all the money we have and go buy bread for the people. Scholars agree 200 denarii, although it's a, a handsome amount of money in those days, was not enough to feed five to 10,000 people. Like it wouldn't have put a dent in the problem. And so they're looking at it going, well, we could do this. This is our current limit, Jesus. This is all we can do. Jesus has another, something else in mind. He says to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Jesus is like, I want you to take an inventory of what you do have. Have you ever noticed that when God asks us to do something, the first thing we look at is what we don't have? I'm not an extrovert. How can I say hi? <laughs> right? I'm not a great singer. How could I ever help so, you know, lead worship? Or, or you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a great leader, so you know, I'll just sit quietly in the back. And so we, we look at what we don't have, and God doesn't care about that because he's always looking at what we do have. And the little bit we do have, he can take that and make it enough for everybody. That's, that's kind of what, that's kind of his thing. So what do you have? And go and see. And when they had found out, they came back and said five loaves, say like five ciabatta buns, you know, that's it. And two fish. So they got this, they got this amazing little bit of food. And like, we got all this denarii, but all we got for food is five loaves and two fish. And Jesus is like, it's enough. Whatever you have. If you bring it to God, it's enough. Somebody just needs to hear that. It's enough. Sometimes we believe the lie that what we, like, how could God use me? How could he, like, I don't have, and we compare ourselves to others. God's like, whatever you have, it's enough. They bring it to them. So, so Jesus tells him to go and, and organize all the people. Okay, so you have that many people and you're going to feed lunch. How many of our administrative people know? you you got to get to organized, right? And so they, Jesus gets them all sitting down in groups on the green grass. Sounds like a picnic. And they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. So you get, imagine all these groups of people all separated out waiting for food. And the disciples are holding the, the, the loaves and fish. <laughs> Set them up. Set the table. The disciples are like, what? What are we doing here? Right? Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. And he said a blessing. He thanked the Lord for it. And then he broke the loaves. Remember during communion, so Jesus took it and he blessed it. And he broke it and he gave it back to the disciples. 
See, this, this wasn't new. Jesus had done this many times before. It, and there's a principle here I want to show you. He blessed it, and he broke the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Another interesting fact. Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. I know it says in the margin of my Bible, it's like, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus doesn't feed the 5,000. He blesses and breaks what they bring him, puts it back in their hands. They feed the 5,000. That's why I think those, those titles in our margins actually matter, because God's going to ask us to do ministry. He's not going to do it all for us, okay? But he blessed it and broke it. Here's, here's the principle. Whatever we bring to God, no matter how big or small, there is something powerful about surrendering it to him. And I would, I would argue that when we bring the things that we love most and we surrender them to him, that the power of those things gets broken over us. Maybe for some people it's a relationship, right? It's this person. I'm hanging on to this person, and I actually love and care about this person more than God. And it's a problem because it's creating all kinds of dysfunction. And the thing that you need to do is actually take that relationship and surrender it to God. And when you surrender it to God, something breaks. For some people, it's their wallet. Like they've been baptized, but their wallet has not been baptized, right? For some people, it's their time. For some people, it's forgiveness. Like, I'm following Jesus, but I'm never forgiving that person. And so there's areas of our life we haven't surrendered. And I'm telling you something. When you surrender something to him and you put it in his hands, the power of it is broken. And it gets blessed. And he puts it back in your hand. And it's not the same as it was. This is the principle. And we bring it to God. And maybe someone's listening today and God put his finger on something and be like, yeah, I'm, I've been waiting years for you to surrender that thing to me. And you will never experience satisfaction. You will never experience the blessing of God until you surrender it to him. And he breaks it and blesses it and puts it back in your hand. You with me? See the, the principle here, okay? And so it says he divided the fish among them and they all ate and were satisfied. Satisfaction is something that's really interesting because satisfaction is not a measure of what you have. It's, it's, it's internal. And... We will not experience satisfaction until we surrender what we have to him. But what's so cool here is he's divided the bread, he's divided the fish, he's blessed them. And now, imagine this, the disciples, uh, we got, mm, let's say, 100 people in these three sections. So there's a group of 100. Imagine you guys are all sitting on a field. And I'm Matthias, Bartholomew, I don't know, let's pick one. And I'm coming out with my chunk of bread and my piece of fish. And I'm going to give this to all of you guys. Imagine what that feels like. I see Dave and like, Dave, give you half the first piece of bread. And everyone else is like, and it multiplies. And as it goes out, there's more in the hand. And they continue to give it out, give it out, give it out until every single person is fed. And not only is everyone fed and satisfied, they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. So this is incredible. So God, God's trying to make a statement here. Jesus is trying to show them that when they surrender what they have to him, he'll use it, multiply it. And everyone has what they need. And they took up 12 baskets full. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. We assume there were also women and children. So this, you know, this is like 10,000 people fed with one small lunch. So I guess if, if we think for, for a moment that what we have isn't enough, we should rethink it. Because God is able. He is able. So how do we level up? How do we level up? Well, I guarantee you that in whatever area God is putting his finger on for you to level up, that it will happen by you getting uncomfortable and stretching beyond your current ability and limits. There's some ugly reps involved. 
So I, I'm trying to be nice and funny, but also challenging and be like, hey, this isn't going to be easy, but it will 100% be worth it. Is this making sense to you guys? Okay. I want to take about 10 minutes to talk specifically about one area of our church, and we'll tie it into the context of this. I want to talk about the capacity myth and volunteer culture. Okay. So I want to talk about, last week we talked about giving. Today I want to talk about volunteering. Uh, specifically, I want to refer to volunteering on a Sunday within this church. And I recognize that many people in our church serve other organizations and do all kinds of great things. So, awesome. But as far as serving on a Sunday, um, let me give you a bit of backstory before I get into this volunteer culture stuff. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in church. And uh, the way volunteering worked at church was, if you had a passion for something, if you were gifted in something, or if you were just willing to do anything, you got a permanent position and you did it every single Sunday and you couldn't get out of it. Am I the only person? Anyway, I always felt bad for the poor lady who's like, I love kids. And they're like, you're the children's director. (laughs) And they went down to the basement of the church with the flannel graph and the snacks. And we didn't see her for about five years. She came up with a lot more gray hair and um, came up for a worship night or something. And someone hands her a welcome package. <laughs> it's like, who are you? And like, and what started, what started, the volunteer position that started with full of passion and vision for kids was like, becomes guilt and duty, right? And the poor lady goes, I need a break. And someone in the church goes, but if you stop watching the kids, they'll have nobody. It's like, okay, back to the dungeon. <laughs> if you played the guitar, you were there. Every time the church doors are open, you're on the stage. You should leave your guitar on the stage because you're expected to be there three times a week, right? Uh, the sound guy, right? Be the, the one guy who was very introverted and didn't like talking to people. They put him in the sound, bo- in sound booth, come back 25 years later. They're still there with half the hair. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm the only one who experienced it. In fact, if, if, that, if that was the culture of the church where you grew up, then it's like literally sometimes the only way to get out of your volunteer position was to leave the church. Some of you are here because of that. You're here, so welcome. Glad you're here with us. Uh, when, we, when we started Pathway Church, when we started Pathway Church, we wanted to establish a different kind of volunteer culture. We did. We wanted to start a different kind of volunteer culture. So I want to outline, and partly it was because, again, I saw people who were being utilized, aka used for their gifts and abilities in the church, and, and often they burned out and left or whatever, um, and so we wanted to create a different volunteer culture. Now, I think some of the things I'm going to show you right here are positive, but there are some aspects that I think need to change, which is why I'm talking about it today. Because I think our culture that we built actually is kind of bought into the capacity myth that I just talked about. Let me explain. Um, we have, over the last 12, 13 years, limited what people do. Over the years, we've had people come and say, I love what I'm doing. Can I do it more? And we said, no. If you do more of it, you're going to be tired and frustrated. You'll look like us. We don't want that. So... We've literally limited, we've told people to do less. We have, and some of you may have experienced that. So I don't think that's always good. It's a good heart, but it's not always good. The next thing uh, that we did was we tried to spread out the load evenly. So the idea, okay, it's like everybody do something and everything will get done. It sounds great. It's kind of like Marxism. It looks really good on paper, but it doesn't really work. It's kind of the same idea. Um <laughs> Getting an amen from the front. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, here's, here's the idea. If I came to the church and said, everyone should give financially to the church in the same amount, set some dollar amount. Everyone would get nervous, right? Because you'd say, 
Well, we don't all have the same amount. And that's the same thing is true with volunteering, right? Uh, some people, if you're a single parent with three kids and two jobs, volunteering is not an option for you on a Sunday morning. You're trying to not drown. And we understand that. And that's cool. It's, uh, we're, we're with you. But then there are other people who are like, hey, I've got all this free time, and I would just love to do this all the time. And we're trying to spread the load. It doesn't really make sense. Okay? So this is good heart, but it doesn't always work for everybody. And so, again, that's something we've tried to build our culture around. Here's the third thing. Try not to push people too hard. So one of our goals has been to make volunteering fun and easy. You know, keep the time short, make it fun, build community. And that's great. We, sh- <laughs> we always have fun together with our teams. That's great. The problem is, fun is okay, but I think most of us in our volunteering want to also be challenged and grow. Right? And sometimes you want to be pushed into hard things that cause you to grow in your faith and in your love, and then you level up. And even though it was hard, you go. And so if everything's fun and easy, then it's not always challenging and, and growth discipleship. You, you with me? So, again, I'm just, this is the culture we tried to create, and I, and I think we've done some of that well and, and lots to improve. But I think, I think we need to change a little bit of our culture around this. So let me, let me show you the volunteer steps. Last week I showed generosity steps in it because again, I wanted to break this down. Like if you're here, you could take a step level up in your generosity. If we were talking about steps for volunteering, the first step would be as needed. So if you've never served here, you could be like, Hey, we're having a picnic. Hey, I'll help for three, four hours. And that would be amazing. If you, if you travel a lot, you can't be around for everything, then maybe an as needed is the ideal place for you to serve. Like whatever you need, if I'm around, I'm going to help. Great. The next tier, and this is the biggest one, is what we call regularly scheduled. So we have volunteers that serve every week, uh, sorry, that serve once or twice a month, uh, and they're on a schedule, they're part of a team. The whole church runs on, on scheduled volunteers, like on a Sunday, right? So that's, that's super important. Uh, this next tier is actually one that I said this was the, how the church ran 30 years ago. And right now, as a church, we have next to nobody doing this. Um, and again... I want to explain why I think it's important for us to build this tier in our volunteer culture. The last tier, I'll come back to that. The last tier is what we call a group leader. So we have small group leaders, team leaders, group leaders. We have youth small group leaders who serve every week. And then they come to church and work twice a month over here as well. So we have these incredible people. And we've got a whole bunch of people here. And we have very few here. And I believe that what we actually need is some people to move up into this every week. And I'll explain why. But first, because... Notice how the room got so quiet. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, no. Um, let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not suggesting for a second that everyone should serve every week. Everybody shake their head just so I can, you heard me. Okay, I'm not, okay, I'm not saying that everyone should serve every week. Not everybody can. Not everybody should. And I certainly don't want you feeling guilty if you can't. But I'm not saying everyone should serve every week. I'm also not saying that if you serve once or twice a month, it's not enough, that we expect more of you and you should feel bad if you can't do more. Not saying that. Lastly, I've already reiterated this twice, that anyone should do anything out of guilt. What I'm hoping for as we move forward, as we shift our culture a little bit, is that there would be people within our church who love what they do and are passionate about it enough to do it more often. And if that's you, we'd love to have a conversation with you to build a bit of a team on that weekly sort of schedule. Let me, let me give you a little bit of vision and why I think it's so important. Um, one of the things that's lost when people serve every other week is the weekly connections and the relationships that happen. So, for example, in our Pathway Kids program, we have teams, and every other week there's different crews. I love it. Amazing people serving in there. Uh, but the only person who's there every single week is Mish. 
And so she becomes the glue between all the teams. And so, like, let's say if a, if a family comes for the first time this week, right, and the teachers meet the kids and they get them all settled into the class and they start building a relationship, and then the kids come back for the second week, the next week, and it's all different faces. And it would be incredible from a ministry perspective to have some people who are consistent so that there's relationships. The same thing from our, like, greeting team to some of our other teams. Like, imagine if, again, if somebody comes back, if you're on the greeting team and you meet them this week, and they come back next week, the only person that would recognize them coming back a second time would be Jessica or one of the staff members. Who met, like, do you understand what I'm saying? So, so from a ministry perspective, having a few people, maybe even one person on each team that served every week would make actually a big difference from the ministry. Uh, other thing that you need to understand, and maybe maybe you don't know this, but um, from a church metrics perspective, this is really interesting. The size of a church, so the number of people that attend services programs, is not determined by the size of your building. It's not determined by the size of your budget. It's determined by the size of your volunteer team. Think about it. On a Sunday, we'll have 300, 350 people through the building on the Sunday morning. It takes 60 to 70 volunteers to set everything up, tear it down, open the rooms, monitor the kids, run the sound, the musicians, all. It takes 60 to 70 people. So if we wanted to be a church that actually could minister to four or 500 people, we'd need 100 or 120 volunteers a Sunday. That's how it works. Because if there are not enough people serving, then the rooms can't open, the different ministries can't happen, and then people can't get into small groups, and so they just disappear. This, this making sense. So my heart in all this is, again, not to make anyone feel guilty, but literally to say... What would happen if we had just a few people that could step up into that? And maybe you're new around here and you're not serving anywhere on a Sunday. We'd love to get you connected. It's a great way to meet people, build relationships, and make a difference in other people's lives. And so wherever you are, we'd love to have you uh, take a step in that direction. And so um, I guess here I'll close with this. I think Jace is coming up here. There he is. Jace is going to come up and help me close. Uh, As we... It always helps to have just a little bit of music at the end, you know? I don't know what that is. They do it in movies, too. Just, yeah, I know it's not a movie, but it is, uh, it is amazing. Um, you know, I'm thinking about this capacity myth. I guess this is, this is where I think the capacity myth hits for me as a pastor. Um, over the years, I've literally thought, um, if you've been around here for a while, you know I don't ask, we don't ask for money often. Like, we don't. We're like, thanks for giving. Here's what we're doing. Here's our budget goals. But we're not like, please give. We need your money. Please volunteer. We need you. If you don't volunteer, the kids won't have a problem. We don't do that. Um, that's just, that's not what we want to do. And um, over the years, I guess for me, I've I've tried to limit so much of what we ask for from people because I don't want to burn people out. I don't want to ask people to do more than they should or they're able. The only downside to that is then I'm rarely giving people an opportunity to stretch. And I'm kind of buying into the myth that people don't have enough and that God can't do what he wants to do through this group of people. What I've noticed about our church and what I love about our church is anytime we've ever asked for anything, our church always steps up. Just the way it works. The fact that there's people in the front row is a great example of that. (laughs) My wife visited another church last week. She was on a week off. They sat in the third row because they thought they didn't want to be, you know, too... Nobody sat in the front four rows, the whole church. The church will go unnamed. But I love the fact, like, I've asked, I ask people to sit up here, and you do. It's amazing. Every time we ask, people step up. And I realize that, in part, um, the volunteer culture we have, we've created, and 
Again, well, what? here's my vision. I, I want to see people not serving each other in this church out of duty or guilt. In fact, if you feel guilt or duty, please quit today. <laughs> I apologize to my staff at staff meeting. Like, I'm sorry. We had five people quit. We don't, what did you say? I, we, we, I don't want you serving out of guilt and duty. That's not why we do anything as Christians. It's out of love. It's compassion that motivates. And so if, if you don't love what you do, we'll help you find something you love to do. What I want is for you to find your ministry, your passion, your calling, and invest in it. And we'll cheer you on. And it'll be hard sometimes. And you'll stretch. And we'll, we'll work together. And if you serve every week, we'll give you weeks off. And we'll make sure, like, if you're tired, take a break. Like, all of that stuff can happen. I just, I don't want to limit people from their calling. And if you love doing something and you want to do it more, we'd love to talk to you. If you're not doing something and you want to do something and you want us to help you find the thing that you're to do, we'll help you do that. And I believe that everything this church needs is already here. Everything we need is here. The volunteers we need, the money we need, the prayers we need, the care we need, it's all here. It just takes each of us leveling up and listening to the Lord. And as each of us levels up in whatever area God puts his finger on, the body grows. Every joint supplying what the body needs. That's how God works. And I want to invite you into that. Hope that makes sense. Um, as we close the service, there's a volunteer sign and some of our staff will be there if you want to have conversations. If you need to quit, send an email. <laughs> um, well, uh, we love you. Uh, let, let, me, let me pray for us. We'll end there. Father, thank you for every person as we consider this theme of level up. Um, maybe it's volunteering. Maybe it's something else. I pray, Lord, that that each one of us would hear your voice clearly, that we would be willing to take steps to put in the ugly rep to go to our next level. And as we level up in our faith and our love, as we obey you and place in your hands what you've given us and allow you to break it and bless it, that God, that will not only benefit us, but the people around us, and your kingdom will have what it needs, and we'll be able to serve and love others around us as well. Lord, uh, if there's anyone here who has an area of their life that just has not been surrendered to you, I pray that they wouldn't hold on to that. They would trust you enough to place it in your hands and allow you to break it and bless it and give it back to them new and fresh. Father, thank you for our people, the heart that they have uh, to serve one another. We thank you for the the future uh, that we have as we work towards this mission of reaching people far from God and helping them become devoted followers of Jesus. Thank you for this series. Help us to go from this place in your strength and in your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.